$1,995,219,173.37 is the odds that you'll get if you back my horse multi on a Wednesday. Mm, sounds like the amount that Renato evaded in tax in Spain. And Messi. G'day, 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 g'day. Welcome to an off-season edition of the Night Shift Football Podcast. Should we give it a number? We can give it a number, I suppose. We'll add it to the list. Episode number 71. Uh, thanks for tuning in if you're here. Um, we just thought we'd have a bit of a chat, I reckon. Uh, we got There's been some transfers. There's a bit of football happening in Australia with some some of the, the big European boys coming over. The US knob's very happy with that. I've got Tommy on the other end of the line. How you doing, man? How's your off-season it, treating you? It's bliss, I can tell you. It, but the problem with bliss is that it's like so short-lived and then all of a sudden there were these European heavyweights on our doorstep occupying our attention, making us watch football again midweek. Dude, I thought we were on a break. Yeah, I've, I, I've got to be honest, I was grateful for it. Um, Getting a bit bored, were you? Yeah, I, I just miss football. I, I mean, I've still been watching a lot of local stuff every week, but uh, it is cool being able to sit at home on a on a Tuesday night or something and tune into some some footy. Um, that is good. If, if we had that every week, if we could watch the Premier League at 7.45 on a Tuesday, there would be no A-League, would there? No, there wouldn't. No. But, you know, time zones, night shift, all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, thank God. Hey, if you don't mind, I wanted to start with something real, real local. How local? Uh, Taparoo local. Oh, Port Adelaide local. Oh, that's neat. If you don't mind. Um, I've got a feeling a bunch of our listeners will probably know already, but um, an interesting story developed a few weeks back where uh, renowned Australia, I guess many Australian football fans would know who he is. Um, You would hope so. He's played enough of their clubs. (laughs) He's nearly played for enough clubs to get a a free Zambrero. You know where they stamp your ticket every time you get one? You get to a 10th? Yeah, that's poor taste. Um, but Dario Vidasic, you're following this. Dario Vidasic Seen it. has signed and is set to play for Port Adelaide Pirates in State League One, South Australia. How big is that? How cool is that? That's the biggest move in South Australian football since Flores? Is it on Flores level? How do you mean? Go further. So, I mean, Flores signed for Adelaide City, and so that was like a that was a massive oh, that move is, in and of yeah. itself. Yeah. And I wonder how much does that register? Probably similarly. I mean, Vidicic, he was touted and played overseas, obviously, but was touted as like a huge talent coming through and had the backing of so many, had the backing of so many um, coaches and just obviously was given so many chances in the A-League. That's a huge move. And he always was a talented guy. I think you and I, our only disgruntlement with him was in big games or in tough moments, he kind of hid a little bit, but there's probably no need for him to do that playing state football on a, on a Sunday. No, I think there was an element when he played for Adelaide of us being all, um, oh, I, I think he got lumped into the James Troisi category, mm-hmm. perhaps unfairly. I don't think. Because Vitasic, at the end of the day, I think he did. He won our club champion award, didn't he? The year he was, he was yeah. at Adelaide United. Uh, he was clearly 
He was comfortably the best player we had. You could see it every time. When he did turn it on, incredible. I think for some reason we're always, it's our, the Adelaide chip on your shoulder thing that makes you sceptical a player like that will will be willing to put in for little old Adelaide. <laughs> but no, here he is. Um, he's going to play State League One for Port Adelaide Pirates. Um, incredible move for them. Um, friend of the show, one of our loyal listeners down at, down at Pirate Land, probably our only loyal listener down at Pirate Land, um, said he had a bit of a chat with Dario about coaches. Okay. All right. Good coaches, right? <laughs> Surely he's had many. Surely he's had many. And I wanted to put this to you, you know, we always talk about, um, we always talk about like how Australian football has its issues with not having enough good coaches and things. Um, have we maybe set up a myth for ourselves that coaches in Europe are automatically better? Because from all reports, uh, Dario not too happy with uh, some of the coaches he's had in Switzerland in the top flight and things like that. Well, that could be our inherent Euro snobbery. And like we try and rally against it. But at the same time, if a European, you know, we're always for European coach managing the Socceroos and we're always for these European techniques coming into academic football and junior football and stuff like that. And then, yeah, you hear something like this. I mean, you wouldn't classify Switzerland as a top league in Europe. But at the same time, if you're playing in the top division of a European nation, you would think they have access to the best coaches that are available. If not yeah. Swiss, from neighbouring countries or, you know, from predominant countries in the region, Germany and stuff like that. Um, so, you yeah, know, to hear that potentially he, um, he found that the overseas coaches didn't inspire him as much as the local guys did. That's it's think, an interesting conversation. I think from memory of the conversation I had, I, I hope this listener doesn't mind me sharing this stuff. I don't think he will. But um, the I think from memory he said that uh, Ange, was, Ange was the number one. Okay, well, that makes sense, given oh, his success now. Of course and it does. The folklore that he has captivated the nation with. King Ange. King Ange. And it was funny because Jesse Marsh on his tour down under said he felt a lot of parallels with Ange in that coming from non-footballing nations, the US, uh, Australia, and trying to crash into the major European markets like they have. Yep. He made that point as well, that you really need a guy that... And Jesse Marsh is like this. They're not necessarily the guy that's going to teach you how to play football or the guy that's going to inspire you to play football in a winning method. And I think, is that where we're coming down to here, that maybe the coaching, the technical aspect of coaching isn't any better in Europe, so to speak? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have no idea. I think it's just one of those things where you're always like, how much better can something be? I'm sure there are people that are on another level, but at the end of the day, like... <laughs> Like, I always think of, you know, the all or nothing documentaries on Amazon. I can't wait for the Arsenal one. And they show like Harry Kane and the Tottenham players in like a circle, arms around each other pregame. Harry Kane's giving his big pregame speech. And it's just the same shit that we yell in the C grade on a Sunday at the Downs. It's just <laughs> what, like, pump these dicks. it's like, yeah, let's, let's pump these idiots. Go in hard, <laughs> you know. Don't chat back to the referee, all right? We know he sucks. <laughs> just, just ignore him. Just shit like that. And just like, let's go in hard, win the hardball, all right? Back each other <laughs> up. Just stuff like that, you know, stuff that doesn't really have any bearing yeah, in, on the influence. level of football you're playing at. Yeah, exactly. But do you think that's because they are so well coached 
on the side because when you talk about players being disgruntled with coaches or comparing Australian coaches to European coaches, it's all at different levels. And so there's a period in Australia where we are severely lacking and that's like under sixes to under tens where it is generally just parents on the sidelines getting involved, which nothing wrong with that. But what, what you're finding overall is that that sets you back as a nation when they get into their teenage years, because then you are, when, when you know, when you're a teenager, maybe you, you're supposed to be looking for a manager that inspires you to play the game rather than teaches you the basic aspects of it. And we miss that because in Australia, we kind of just play sport from under sixes to under tens is like a social thing, a, you know, a, a, a health thing. I, I just, I wonder when he talks about coaches being better or worse at a professional level, that probably does come down to more of an organizational capacity and a motivational thing. Whereas, you, you know, you can go on the pitch and say the same stuff, like <laughs> going hard first, whistle, nil, yeah. nil, you know, all that crap. But that's because they've done all the work already. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. surely, surely Harry Kane doesn't have to go onto the pitch and then tell them what Conte wants them to do because Conte's already done it. Yeah, but I guess that happens at all levels of football, I guess. It just, I don't know, it's just not one of those things. Um, you know, obviously, professional level is different, but I think at some point, I think we see it enough in Australia as well. Just there's very much a, uh, you know, the nepotistic element um, that if you're of the right blood, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can you can rise through the ranks or if you've got the right connections, you'll get the jobs mm. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, might leave that there, but just, yeah, I just thought it was very interesting. Very cool to have Dario playing in SA. Um, that is cool. Have you, and, have you seen him yet? Is he playing? No, um, I think he, because I, I think he's been doing some family stuff. Yeah. But um I Fair. I'm ex- he's expected to play in the next week or so, I think. Oh cool. His and home so, debut. Um, I, will I be think there. people should be looking to get out and catch a Pirates game. I think um obviously the guy's head and shoulders above State League 1 football. So um it'd be very cool to see him what running around. I hope um you know, I'm hearing it is a long-term thing that he's here for whether he's long-term pirates i don't know but long-term being in south australia so um hopefully i'm hoping he can have a good impact on south australian football this is cool because his his dad was is is a really good coach and yeah i I did read something about when he was with city and kind of getting to the end of his city tenure he was went into more like a mentor youth training role as well so yeah if dario is here learning how to be a coach a manager that would be brilliant and he could probably do really well at it i'd say Probably, yeah. I guess we don't know what his plans are, what he wants to do. We're just speculating, but be yeah, cool to see him. Excited to see what happens. Um, excited to see him on the pitch playing football. Um, yeah. So I guess maybe do you want to talk about uh, the preseason stuff in Australia? Um, there's all sorts to go with here. We've got the A League making moves in a couple of ways, trying to entice marquee players. We've got in, you know, Nani to Melbourne Victory. They've identified signing marquees as a way to grow the A-League. They've also highlighted, uh, I guess, bringing, bringing clubs like Man United, uh, Leeds, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Premier League clubs with lots of fans in Australia, bringing them out here uh, to play against A-League sides. We had Barcelona, obviously, as well came out. Um, yeah. What have you got for me here? 
What are your thoughts on it all? We'll just we'll start on the the A League changes. Sure. Just as a salary cap, they have um, given the green light to target more crowd pleasing signings, which is the marquee sugar hit fund. Yep. Um, and that uh, came the introduction of like the right to sign another player outside the cap up to six hundred thousand dollars a year, which has it may not have actually seen the ushering in of Nani. We did speculate it was going to be the Nani Rojas rule, but Rojas has gone to Chile now. So best of luck to him at Colo Colo, which just quick side, if anyone ever played football manager 2008, that was the side to pick young players from. They just, it was insane. And so for him to go play for Colo Colo is really, really cool for me personally. Ooh, It'll be nice, interesting to see how he goes. Nice side note on football manager from 14 years ago. Yep, nice little football manager hack right there. Go back if you ever play in the 2008 edition. That's where you need to be. Uh, but this rule more generally uh, is obviously just going to favour the clubs that have the money to spend it, isn't it? And I don't know that the argument when you sign Nani to Melbourne Victory or Charlie Austin to Brisbane Roar that always it comes with, this is going to be great for the league. But I just, I struggle to see that. I don't, can you convince me otherwise? I've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. And it ends Many up. time. And it always ends up being, uh, will the A-League or whoever runs the A-League these days, I can't keep up. Will they, uh, they will get to make the choice, I guess, on which club can have which players which always ends up being the case somehow. So um, if you can afford one, you might be able to get them. But if you want that help from the league, uh, you'd better hope you're in Melbourne or Sydney. And it just isn't it just antithetical to the outside argument that the Socceroos are struggling, talent development in Australia is struggling. How is redirecting much-needed funds to sugar hits in the terms of Nani contracts, storage deals, Charlie Austin, all, all of that. How is that helping Australian football really at all? Is it, is it even putting bums on seats? It might put, it, it'll put some bums on seats. We've seen that before. It does do that. But then they go when the player goes. I yeah. I think is what you find. There was a mass, there was a big build up of um, when Del Piero played in the A League. Del Piero, Heskey, Shinji you know, Ono. And it was yeah. at the point where it was like just a Del Piero Australian tour. Where yeah. Whoever whoever Sydney were playing away. So, like, for example, when they came to Adelaide, there was a section of Highmark Stadium that was full of supporters in Juve gear, an Italian gear just there for Del Piero, not for Sydney or for Adelaide. And then once Del Piero is not there, do they come and keep watching the football? Probably not. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't convert anybody. And like the A-League really missed a trick there because Shinji Ono was absolutely instrumental in Western Sydney winning the league that season. Yep. And, but we just, we didn't highlight him and nor did we pull that uh, Asian talent pool into Australia because of that. And that was such a huge opportunity that we missed yeah. because we are blinded by this Euro snobbery. And it is the Asian century. It is the Asian century. It has to be. What is it? Yeah, it has to be. That's what we're seeing everywhere. I mean, Fucking Son is the best player in the Premier League. Like it is <laughs> the Asian century. Yeah. Um, for me, though, that that kind of translates into these friendlies that we're having at the moment, where you bring these big European clubs down, and it's what what benefit is actually that to the A League? What benefit is that to Melbourne Victory to play Manchester United? 
Yeah. So I think you and I have differed a bit here on this one. Um, uh, I think <laughs> you described it to me as a farce having these friendlies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not completely on board with that. I agree with you. I don't think it brings any benefit to the A-League at all. I don't think the A-League doesn't get anything out of having these friendlies in as a long-term thing. It's, it's just not there. Um, but I still think it's fun. It's fun to have these teams come out. It's fun for supporters of those clubs to get the opportunity. Not everyone can afford to get across to Europe and watch their team play that they've grown up supporting. Um, you know, so it's a good opportunity for them to get to see them in a friendly and, you know, that's it's there's a bit of fanfare about, you know, it's not the real deal. You're not seeing all the best players for 90 minutes, but um, you're seeing a footballing contest. It's, yeah, is what it is. I'm all for it. Bit of fun. Mm, I wonder if there's more, if there's like more negatives to this in that there's a lot of administration work that goes into bringing these football clubs down. And it tends to be the only kind of state government investment that you actually see in the local game. Mm. It's like, and then when they do it and they'll spend the millions to get Manchester United to Melbourne and they'll spend the millions to get whoever plays, someone's playing in Townsville, I think. And like for that, the Queensland government think, oh shit, there we go. That's all the money we need to spend on football because we've done. We've given the 1.4 million juniors in the state uh, an aspect for them to see of the game (laughs) rather than, you know, in the midst of a Commonwealth Games, absolute stadium spending spree every project they have they have put on the board for the 2032 com games none of them include a multi-purpose football stadium there's nowhere to play football and it's like the number one junior sport in the state and it again it just to me when these clubs come down and they pay lip service to the australian game and then after that there's nothing there's just radio silence the media go away all the sharons have been signed there's no further development of australian football at all that's what makes me think it's a farce. It's just, it's a sideshow. It's like Hollywood coming to visit for a little bit. And it just, for me, this is why I don't, Leeds have been here twice now in the last four years. I haven't traveled to see them at all because it doesn't interest me because it's just, I don't know. I kind of feel differently. I kind of almost feel like it's a slap in the face. It's like, hey, this is how football's supposed to be played. Bang. Fuck off. Enjoy your own shitty little product, uh, product that you have here. And that's, I don't know. That's just, that's just how it's kind of reflected in the media as well, because once Man United leave, there'll be no footballers on trams doing media stops. No, they won't. Um, geez, very cynical take from you, which it's is unusual. Usually, usually I'm the one dishing out that, but um, I'll take it. Um, yeah, I, just, um, yeah I, I still think it has its worth. I think it's just not done properly. Um, how would you do it? I, I don't know how I'd do it. I just, I'm, playing on your point about trying to make make it something that does have a positive long-term effect rather than just the novelty the novelty game. Um, well, I've got a suggestion. I don't know the answer to that, but... Maybe, maybe we just ban European clubs from travelling to Victoria because it is quite clear. I, I literally two hours ago saw Patrick Vieira signing a Sharon in the crowd. It is quite clear to me the Victorian market do not care for football the wider market so stop giving them this they don't give a fuck man the media doesn't care you don't make any yeah. money you don't get anything from government you get nothing so just leave it alone it's yeah AFL i don't state. i don't want to lump it all in 
I don't want to lump it all in together, though. I'm pretty happy for fans to get this opportunity. Um, I do have notes on fans, the media. S- South Australian fans. I mean, we still, again, have to try to see this stuff I understand. every time. I understand. But I'm not saying that, I don't know, you can't sit and say that no Victorian fan deserves this <laughs> because of because Patrick Vieira was signing as Sharon. Yeah, but they do it every year. Every time they get this opportunity and they ruin it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> The Man United players on a tram were holding Sherrins. Did yeah, it? I know. There has been more Sherrins, I reckon, than this tour than ever before. <laughs> it's. I think we talked about it in our um, when we talked about the Barcelona versus A League All Stars game. If we covered that, did we cover that? I think we did. We went over it. Yeah, it was the it week was of the A League Grand Final. Um, yeah. But yeah, when they had it, just Australia is always doing s- stuff that's like just so memeable. <laughs> just like it's true. We are. When, we open ourselves up to it. When something famous from overseas comes to Australia, you're always like, yeah, this is Australia. And we really <laughs> play it up. We've got people playing knifey spoony and stuff. Like, <laughs> ridiculous. There was, a, there was, there was a, a press conference post the first Man United game against Victory and someone asked about Ten Hag's uh, like pressing style and whether he was trying to you know, impress upon a tactical uh, change on the Man United team, and then the Australian journalist was like, "Did you see the state of origin last night?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It just that stuff is farcical, and I do have some notes here on some things. Yes, where up. an element of this, I guess, this is more broadly the way. This is more again about how the media treats football in this country. This isn't so much just to do with these teams being here, but I've got a couple of little notes here. We had the the news story that said it was Manchester United versus Melbourne United. <laughs> yeah, the, the MCG. Melbourne United. The Melbourne United are the basketball team in Melbourne. Oh, good. In the NBL, <laughs> they definitely were not playing at the MCG against Manchester United. We had was it Channel Nine or Channel Ten um, where someone had just googled the current Premier League table. Oh, Channel 10. Yep. And and written that Man United were number 14, not 14th, number 14 on the Premier League table. Um, it's mm. in alphabetical order, you clown. It, the season hasn't started. Does that mean Arsenal are champions? We'll take it. Um, another one was, um, I think it was Channel 10 again. And th- this is what concerns me is Channel 10 are the, the home of football at the moment, televised football in Australia at the moment. Um, They were talking about, uh, it was a tweet on Saturday that said today, Leeds versus Villa, uh, but it also said it was on Sunday. So, you know, come on. How hard is it? it? How hard is it to get these little things right? I don't understand. We had the graphics. People would have seen this. I'm sure most our listeners would all follow A-League memes. Um, But the graphics that popped up that said Daniel McBreen had 2013 A-League goals. He certainly does not have 2013 A-League goals. I'd be surprised if he had 213. Um, And the other one uh, that popped up said Tarek Elrich was a 2014 World Cup winner. Oh, was he? Yeah. For for which nation? Australia, I guess. 2014 (laughs) FIFA World Cup winner, Tarek Elrich. Congratulations, Tarek. Congratulations, McBreen, on your achievements. Who won it in 2014? Was Was it France? Was it Germany? That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, That's that was. Uh, I also, I also saw um, Paramount line up 
they split the teams into formation, but they left it in numerical order. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Players out of position. It was just, just yeah. those little things, isn't it? It's just those little things again. Yeah. Like, you don't really care about this. You're not actually they, investing any time. They really grind our gears, I tell you, don't they? Oh, yeah. They really this do. This is what keeps us up but, at night. <laughs> yeah. That's all it's I've another, got. It's another thing on 10, though, that they're willing to broadcast all of the EPL friendlies, but not put more A-League on free-to-air, which I think is an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been we've done it to death the Channel Ten Paramount thing and how it's going, and we'll do it again, no doubt, when the A League season rolls around. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, uh, there's still no pause rewind function. I don't know if you have anything on any of the actual football that was played. I'm not sure we need to go into it. I just thought my last note before we move on to some key transfers, if you may, Night Shift loyal listeners would know, it's very difficult for us to get through a pod without some sort of um, chastising of the Man United club and or fan base. And on this occasion, I don't know if anyone saw the Manchester United Palace game at the MCG. Or was it Melbourne United? Um, the Man United Palace game at the MCG and the supporters booing Harry Maguire every time he touched the ball. What... Are you on? If you're a Man United fan, there's one for the audio listeners. I'm doing a quotation air mark. Quotes. Air yeah, quotes. air quotes. Uh, a fan booing Harry Maguire, booing one of your own players. Where do you, how do you how does that sit with you? Ah, uh, well, if it was anyone other than Slabhead, I would be up in arms. But does it not? Does it not kind of seem worthwhile? Does it not seem fair? I mean, they're obviously not happy with the man's performance over the last season. Do these guys not have the same right to voice their displeasure as the Old Trafford faithful? Don't start. I've got the shits with it (laughs) big time, (laughs) all right? You know, we have, you know, we have players and we've had plenty when they've played at Adelaide United and we've been up there and we're like, oh, my God, why is he bringing on this goober? Or like... Why does this idiot play for us? Or, you know, stuff like that. I've never gone out of my way to loudly boo one of our own players while playing for us. I think that is a, a ridiculous step to take. Get frustrated and, I, you know, you yell yell at them to get off or something. I've never actually just gone out and just booed every time they touch the ball where they're trying to play the game. And especially if you grew up as a Man United fan in Australia, just sitting back and watching the Ferguson glory years tick on by, having the easiest life of a football fan you could ever imagine. And now, oh, we haven't won anything for a while. Let's start booing the guy that was our club captain who, yeah, he's shit. Is he he intentionally shit? Is he trying to be crap? Is he deliberately sabotaging Manchester United? No, you've got bigger like issues there that you've had for years now. So stop taking it out on Maguire. I don't think he's excellent either, but that's ridiculous. You know, you've had such a good ride, United fans, growing up. We've had to put up with your shit for a few decades. You can just deal with it, all right? Shut up. Don't boo your own players. Your club comes all the way over to Australia from the UK. You spend all that money to go to Melbourne, go to the MCG, and boo the captain. Get off it. Get off it, United fans. Have a spell. Get fucked. Bravo, Sammy. Bravo. I, just, I don't know what else to add to that. 
He, for me, Harry Maguire, no, you shouldn't really boo him because he's not, he's not the guy. It's not his fault. He's not Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, but that's what, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. He's not the guy that Man United thought they were signing. He was a guy in a certain point of time that performed a job really, really well in like Mm. one of those weird crosshair moments where Leicester were actually phenomenal and couldn't be beaten. But that's because he played a certain formation with a certain team and a certain amount of teammates. And he maybe didn't have this coaching, but he had this kind of motivational aspect that made them feel like they were unbeatable together. And no, he's not up to the level of Manchester United, but the the level of Manchester United now is scrapping for Europa League places. And I think he probably is up to that level. (laughs) And it's there's the old there's the old discussion of why he performs for England, supposedly, even though he cops booze and stuff there as well, uh, but doesn't perform for Man United. I, I don't know. When you look at it from that aspect, maybe they are warranted, but like you said, they've traveled halfway across the world. The last thing this guy needs is fair weather fans who have grown up watching Ferguson win things on TV to give this guy shit, like give it a rest. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a criticism at guys that have, you know, I, it you is, know, it we is all, for me. We, I know, we all, <laughs> a lot of us did just like, you know, pick a team as kids, you know, and obviously May United were good. Lots of kids fell onto May United. That's fine. You stick with them, but that, that doesn't mean you boo them. Like you boo your captain. That's just ridiculous. That's the most pathetic it's, thing I've ever heard. It's the height of snobbery. It's the height of elitism and it's the height of just success before club. And really, you should just be trying to prioritise the club and the players that they have. And voice your displeasure if you don't like them, of course. But don't, don't just outright boo them yeah. when, they're, when they're here playing. It's the height of being a raging flog. I think, I think this guy... It, I was going to say, I'll liken it to... I remember I went to a few years ago, Real Madrid versus uh, Manchester City. Mm. And it was just as Sterling had signed for City from Liverpool. <laughs> and he copped a chorus of boos every single time he touched the ball. And it was really kind of jarring because you could tell no one in the audience really was there for Real Madrid or Man City, but there were a large section of the crowd there for Liverpool. And that's why they were voicing this pleasure to Raheem Sterling, which I kind of understood at the time. But this whole Maguire thing, he missed a really decent chance against Palace late in the first half. And he got a lot of ironic cheers afterwards. And this is not great. If you are the kind of person that enjoys Premier League clubs traveling to Australia, this is not the way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. Own it up. Turn it around. Um, might leave that there. I, I will just say, I, I still do think Harry Maguire could probably do a job in a mid-table side. You know, Which he is doing. With uh, the lesser... <laughs> with the lesser... Doesn't have the pressure of his own fans booing him. I tell you what, he'd be... Incredible King going on TV talking about how he'd punch on with his teammates. Yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. Thanks for that, Roy. You also broke a man's leg and ruined his career for sure. Yeah. Keep, keep anyway, telling us how to play football. Hope you enjoyed that, Man United fans and non-Man United fans. I know they definitely enjoyed it because we get feedback about that all the time. I've been so kind to the Man you guys in my circle as well. And now I've done this. <laughs> While we have a loyal fan base of listeners that Keep encouraging our heckling of United. We'll keep it up. <laughs> hey, we might quickly finish with some of the key. I'll just drop a couple of names here. Some of the big transfers that have happened so far. 
Um, I'll drop three names here. Gabby Jesus, Raheem Sterling, Robert Lewandowski. Where do you want to start? Uh, Jesus is going to do a great job. We've talked about him prior and you've said maybe he isn't the kind of guy that wants to take on the task of being like the number nine, like being a not a, a good club's number nine, but like a club that's oh, competing for things number nine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if that's quite that what I mean. I think, yeah, I think what I mean is like he, I don't know, I've, he's scored goals for City, but in a team that is exceptionally good and can get the ball to him in those positions. I said I was pretty sceptical and I went a bit off and said, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if he scored 11 to 12 Premier League goals this season. But uh, he has started the preseason games they've played so far. Gabby has been really good. Um, maybe I just never watched him close enough when watching City games. I guess he didn't didn't start all that much, so it was kind of hard. But, mm. yeah, a lot, lots of people talking about his work rate being a big factor. And I guess um, at this point, if you're an Arsenal fan, it's uh, you're, you're trusting Arteta and Edu and what they're trying to build there at the moment because they've been on an upward trajectory, I think, anyway. Um, so, yeah, I guess... At this point, you just got to trust him, go with it. I think Jesus has something to prove. And especially in a World Cup year, he's mm. going to want to hit the ground running. And if he can get Good five point. goals before the World Cup comes around, you know, you're looking at a guy that's going to be head full of steam. If he makes a Brazil squad, he's going to come back even more emboldened. Yep. I, I honestly think he is a great signing for Arsenal and probably a better fit in the system than Lacazette, who got his move to, he went to Lyon, didn't he? Which would be. Remember. That's where he came from. Yeah, he's back to France. It might be Leon, which will be great to watch in League 1 next mm. season. Uh, but yeah, I reckon Jesus. Um, and to a lesser extent, if Zinchenko is confirmed, both of those signings look absolutely mint for Arsenal. Yeah, I think uh, Lacazette, you know, good for what he was, but um, Arsenal needed to take that next step up. And he was probably just a bit, he was a bit slow for it with those guys zipping and the mm. way they play. Arsenal play a pretty, it's, they are pretty exciting in attack when they're on. When you've got yeah. Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, Saka, those guys all linking up together, Martinelli, and now you add yeah. Jesus to that. Another, what is he, mid-20s, mid to late 20s? He might be late 20s, yeah. Um, but certainly a zippy kind of, you know, fast link-up type player. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Raheem Sterling. Uh, this one caught me by surprise. And Same. I kind of get his reasoning, like, oh, I'm a London boy, I want to return to London, rah, rah. I think the bit that caused me by surprise was City so willing to sell a, a world-class player to a divisional rival. And I just, is that going to come back to bite them? Is, is Raheem Sterling going to go and score 20 goals and actually, you know, uh, enliven the Chelsea front three, which is maybe what they were missing last season. They didn't have a game changer. Is Raheem Sterling the guy? He probably is. So I could see him flourishing here and having a really good season. Yeah, I think so too. I think um, he's definitely, Sterling's definitely one of those guys that's divided opinion over the years. Um, I've always thought he's generally pretty good. I think he, it's probably his strike rate in front of goals. He does seem to miss a lot of chances. And then again, similar to Gabby Jesus, you're playing in that Man City team that's so good and you're getting a lot of opportunities. Um, Maybe he should score more goals, but I still think he's an electric player and he has Plenty he can offer Chelsea, definitely. I thought a better move for him would have been Spurs. Like I could see Sterling, Son, Kane and being unbeatable. But he, yeah. goes, to a, he goes to a Chelsea squad that's a little bit disjointed in attack and they're going to rely on him 
to foster partnership with uh, Timo Werner, probably still. Yep. Or like who else have Chelsea brought in in the attack? Because they've lost Lukaku, but it doesn't seem like they've bolstered in any respect other than Sterling. So a lot of pressure is going to go on the guy's shoulders in order to stimulate some kind of return. Yeah, definitely. Um, see how it plays out. I think it'll be all right. Uh, do you want to do Lewandowski? Yeah, we can do Lewandowski. We can do Barca in general. Yeah. Uh, so Lever moving from Bayern to Barca, it's just, it's not really, for me, it's not even a big move because it's just a guy that scores goals, obviously, but now in the twilight of his career, kind of moving from one European heavyweight to another, we've seen it before and sometimes it doesn't really work out and I'm almost harboring on the edge of it. This doesn't really work out. I just, I don't. You're saying you you don't want it. You want it to fail, or you think not, it will not fail? That I, not that I want it to fail, because I like Lever. I think it's. But a really you think good it striker. will? I kind of think it will. I just. I wonder how this fits into the Xavi prototype of a Barcelona squad. I'm trying to think I'm, of. I'm of the opposite. Strikers that it emulates. I don't know. Is he trying to go for his last time? I'm, a, I'm of the opposite. I think he Lewandowski he buckets. Yeah, and I think uh, he's the perfect fit right now for this Barcelona squad. Um, you know. Luke de Jong or Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. Um, and just the way those, I think I, I talked about it a few times last season, but the way these guys play sometimes with these kids, when you've got Pedri, Gavi, uh, de Jong, if he's staying, it looks Dembele like he wants to still. stay. Dembele has been, you know, getting better. Depay as well, Aubameyang. Um, So they've kind of, they've been needing the striker. Aubameyang came in in January and kind of lifted that, but, I think Lewandowski is the perfect fit for La Liga and for Barcelona at this point in time. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Lever gives me kind of Ronaldo back to Man U vibes. I almost wonder if he's going to suck kind of the creative energy out of the team and they're going to try and foster he's, all the goal scoring. He's not that guy, him. though. He's not the guy that's going to... He wasn't Lewin- that guy at Bayern, but... Lewandowski the isn't now? a guy that's going to stand there and wait and wait for the ball to get to him to make chances. He's... The guy's electric. I, I still think he's got so much to offer, and I, I'm pretty excited to see how this goes. So, so you reckon you reckon Bayern are really going to suffer? Because who have they signed to replace him? Because they don't really have the centre forward coming through the ranks, and they can't take no. Holland Ho- because he's gone to City. So who do yeah, they get? I think what you potentially see there is a changing of their approach. With they have a lot of wingers, and I guess that you know the modern football thing of having just wingers and strikers kind of interchanging uh, becomes a pretty big thing, you know? So they've got like Sane, they've got Nabry, they've got, they got Sadio Mane. They're, you know, they're going to be good still. So um, yeah. That'll be one to watch. Yeah. Okay. That's cool that we're at odds here. Yeah. Um, Six pack bet. Lever doesn't score 20 goals in Spain. 20 in the league. Yeah. That's a lot. Well, I mean, he scored 50 goals last season for Bayern Munich, so. In the league? No, overall. Yeah, well. But he didn't score 30 goals in Europe, did he? I'll take a 20 six-pack, yeah. All right, done. Oh, so we're sitting at 19.5 then, the over-under? Yeah, yeah over-under, love it. 20 goals I win? Yeah, 20 goals La- you win. La Liga goals. La Liga goals, yep. All right, cool. we'll revisit this. I'll, right. I'll make a note of it. That'll be a fun one. Make a note of it. Um, all right, I might just... Finish with there's a couple of just we don't really need to do Pogba 
Nat Return do. We've done Pogba to death. We've done Man United to death. Um, an interesting one at the moment is it looks like uh, Bayern desperately want Matis de Litt from mm. Juve and he initially looked keen to get out of Juve, but now it looks like he's uh, he's got a lot of support from fans and other people around the club and he's looked like he wants to stay now. Uh, if he did go, if he does go, uh, Juve apparently wanting Gabriel from Arsenal, which Ooh. I'm not sure if Arsenal would be on board with that unless they got a ridiculous fee because Gabriel Ben White is, you know, looking like Pretty a decent part- partnership building there. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's just some rumours. I reckon that will probably do for us tonight. Have you got anything else you wanted to add before we wrap it up? Not whatsoever. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> You're finished. I have my winch. I have my bleep. Fuck EPL clubs coming to Australia. Wow. All right. There you go. Including your own? Yeah, especially my own. <laughs> Concentrate on your football, guys. Fucking hell, you just yeah. barely stayed up. This is why we keep getting the explicit tag. Oh, well, I blame United. We keep swearing at their fans. Um, yeah, midweek. Uh, I keep saying midweek. Mid-off-season. Not sure football pod. That'll do us. Uh, if anything else major pops up, we might get on and have a chat, but who knows? We're playing it by ear at the moment, waiting for the season to come back around. And when it does, I'm sure we'll be busy because there's so much football to come. There's so much bloody football. There's a World Cup squeezed in there. So, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Get around us on the socials. Give it a share. Give it a like. Pump it up. Pump us up. Pump us up. Tell your mates. All right. Have a good one. Oh, and get out and go try and see Dario Vidasic play for the Pirates. Yeah? Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. See you the Pirates. Arr.